What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Life Podcast. I am Marcus Grant, joined by Dwayne McFarland, and here we are headlong into week 11. We are closing in on the start of the fantasy playoffs. I think if I do my math right, uh, including this week, that means four more weeks of the fantasy regular season. And, uh, you know, when you sign up for a league, you, you pay for basically regular season. Everything else after that is kind of a bonus. So, Dwayne, I guess our job, right, is to help people Get to those bonus weeks. That's that's what we're trying to do here, essentially, isn't it? We want to be in the bonus weeks. Yes, you're <laughs> right. We want that bonus cash that hopefully goes along with it. Some of you are just playing for fun, and that is also okay. Um, you know, to start this season, when I first came over to Fantasy Life, Marcus, um, you know, Elliot, you know, reached out to me, and he was like, hey, do you have a cheat sheet? And I was like, yeah, I got a cheat sheet before the season had started. And he's like, can you send it over to me? Matthew, you know, is asking you, he needs a cheat sheet from somebody. He's driving. He can't get to one. And uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, sure. Like I, I can send one over. And he's like, you want to know who it's for? And I was, and I, you know, I guess I can say this on air. And I was like, sure. yeah, yeah. Who's it for? He's like, it's for Jay-Z. And I'm oh. like, man, I wonder what their league plays for. <laughs> I mean, I wonder what the bonus for if you make the bonus in a league like that who knows if jay-z drafted for my sheet or not it was still cool but it just got me thinking about what's the entry fee to get into that how do you get into that room um you know i mean i'm sure a lot of sharp players are like oh man i'd love to be in there i'm thinking nah you, you can't afford to be in that room it's the you know folks like us probably can't afford to be in that room but i do wonder how they draft like like what what is their strategy like you know, are you seeing three quarterbacks come off the board in like the first two rounds like do they draft like like you know kind of casual fantasy players or are they drafting like like <laughs> I us? Bet, i'm guessing they i bet it's probably like a normal room i bet yeah. you have some people that are super into it they've been thinking about it a long time then you have other people that are showing up to the draft they may have thought about it the night before and then you have some that literally have not <laughs> thought about it at all they're asking for a cheat sheet for, as a favor from a friend and i'm not saying that was jay-z but the funniest part of the story is like my wife thought it was cool and then my daughter's like you know, and my my daughter, you know, she's 13. She's she's pretty hip. She mm -hmm. didn't know who Jay-Z was. What? As soon as my wife, my, yeah, but my wife goes, Beyonce's husband. She was like, what? Oh. You know, of course, then, <laughs> then it was like, oh, my gosh, like dad was cool. And, you know, of course, that's all been taken away since by Fantasy Life because, you know, oh. we put weird eyeballs on my face for videos. And <laughs> I can see those and I have no respect. But anyway, Marcus, I'm not. Let's just move forward. You know, that's, you know what? Honestly, <laughs> the best part of that story is that after selling, you know, however many records and making how much money, Sean Carter has been reduced to just being Beyonce's husband. Yeah. That, <laughs> that's my the, daughter, for sure. Right? <laughs> that's the part that, that sticks with me out of that whole story. All right. We got plenty to talk about, as we always do this time of the week. Uh, we're going to go through the rankings, which you can check out, of course at fantasylife.com we'll look at some of the guys who are maybe too high maybe too low talk about uh what you want to do with them in your lineup also we may get into the weather I, I mean i live in los angeles where weather doesn't really exist only as a concept but uh in other parts of the country it is actually a real thing and it could be very real in buffalo uh with the bills and the browns this week so we may get into uh, what to do how that affects your lineup or if it affects your uh, your lineup your decision making at all but uh, let's start with some of the big injuries that have happened over the last week or two, because there have been plenty of them. We talked a little bit about Cooper Cup, uh, what that might mean for guys like Allen Robinson, Tyler Higby, um, Justin Jefferson limited in practice. Uh, is that one? It's, you know, it, it's still a couple days away from, from kickoff happening. 
I, I don't know. I see if I see a guy practicing, even if it's limited, I tend to have very little concern or at least lower concern about it. Is that one when you see yeah. Justin Jefferson limited that that it makes you a little bit nervous or or not? No, I don't. I, I don't worry about it this early in the week. Like I don't mm -hmm. let it impact my rankings unless the player missed the game the week before. Right. If the player has already missed a game, then actually limited can be really good. Like you're like, oh, OK, limited Wednesday, we've got a chance, you know. But again, every team is different. Like, yeah. what does limited mean? What does limited mean? Like right. if you lived in Dallas for a long time, there was this clip on the radio. Of, I don't know if you remember uh, Troy Hambrick was the mm -hmm. running back for the Cowboys back, back in the day. Had a, br mm -hmm. had a brother named Darren Hambrick, right, that was the linebacker. And he wouldn't show up to voluntary workouts. And I remember that the team, you know, there was an interview of him. And he's like, what do voluntary mean? Like, basically, <laughs> I don't have to be there. It's voluntary, you know. But anyway, um, yeah, just I, I don't I don't I don't pay attention to it, you know, this early because I don't know what the teams mean by their definition. You know, for some right. teams that could mean limited means he was out there for one snap. For others, it may mean, well, he had to be out there at least half the time. Right. You know, so um Full practice, like, is the best thing because even though there's probably a range on that as well, they're basically telling you that the player's healthy. That that's the way. As if you see questionable, but questionable plus full practice, you know they're good to go. When you see right. questionable plus the limited, 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 or limited and a DNP, then I get more worried. So I, I just wait. I wait until we have you know the three practices, and then I'll start moving stuff around more on Friday. The, you know, that's where I miss having the doubtful designation, right? Like now everybody's questionable. And there are varying degrees of questionable. Um, so I, yeah. you know, I miss one. That's how I pair those. The the limited plus the DNP. Mm -hmm. That's, that's that I, I start leaning doubtful on that. Right. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, we'll keep an eye on that. Dallas Goddard, we know, is going to be gone for at least four weeks. He was placed on injured reserve after the shoulder injury he suffered on Monday night. I, I mean surface level it just it stinks for goddard individually it it stinks for us in fantasy because between he and zach Ertz now out for the season we've lost two of our more consistent producers at an already very thin position but when you look around is there anybody that stands to gain you feel like immediately from dallas goddard not being there in philadelphia yeah i've, I've you know interested in your thoughts here but i really feel like in a situation like this it just it's going to funnel more to the other two players that we know are really good it's going to be aj brown who's already at a 28 percent target share on the season so he's already top 10 and then you've got devonta smith who's at a 24 percent target share so I, I i think you could feasibly see both of those players with 30 percent plus target shares over the next several games without uh dallas goddard and, you know, that obviously is a little bit of a boost. You know, it's more of a boost, in my opinion, to Devonta Smith, right? Because he's been really a low-end wide receiver three. High, I mean, low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three, but he's had the boom bust, right? He's been whichever one of those categories you want to put him in, I don't care, but he's you got to put it low-end boom bust wide receiver two or high-end boom bust wide receiver three. <laughs> and, and he belongs there because the booms have been so big, right? But the busts have also been, you know, wide receiver 50 range, like a couple of weeks in a row, actually, before last week. But now I think that gives him a better floor, right? And I think it just gives him a, the boom is probably still the same, like, because he's already shown us how high it can go, but just going to get some more consistency out of Devonta Smith. So, I mean, I moved him up this week. I've got him at wide receiver 13. Like, there's some other factors we'll talk about here. I mean, we've got freaking wide receivers on by this week are insane so anytime you hear some of these things and you're like man Dwayne's lost his mind like Devonta Smith <laughs> is like now a top 12 wide receiver well we'll talk about the buys here in a second there's a lot of names that would normally be on that list and many of them would be in front of Devonta but they're not available yeah a lot of good wide receivers that aren't available to you this week and and yeah to your your question I do think it's just it's the AJ Brown Devonta Smith show right now when when you look at 
how this passing game has worked. It's been sort of a three-man operation with Brown, Smith, and then Goddard. Goddard now out of the mix. I mean, look, after, after Dallas Goddard, he had the third most targets. The next closest was Quez Watkins, and there was a gap. Let me do the quick math. About 36 targets between distance between them, right? Goddard was at 53. Watkins is at 17. So, sure, maybe they sprinkle a few in Quez Watkins' direction. Maybe they sprinkle a couple more in, like, Miles Sanders or Kenneth Gainwell. But – uh, this is going to be A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith sort of carrying the load until Goddard gets back, uh, you know, whenever that might be. So um, Quez, Quez Watkins, probably one of the most fit players in the league because he is just out there running coverage off. <laughs> like he's just out there running coverage off and he has really good dance moves because you got to be ready for any time A.J. Brown scores three in a day. Right. You got it. You know, I mean, you don't know that you're going to get that many. But I was cracking up that day that A.J. Brown scored all those touchdowns in the first half, and I was watching Quez Watkins on the third when A.J. Brown didn't know what to do. He still had a dance ready. Like, he still had one ready, and it wasn't even his touchdown. That's the thing. If you're Quez Watkins, if you're somebody like that, like, you probably have a couple of stored up, but you're not getting the opportunities to score, so you just... Like, you know, I gotta you show to, this off. You're like the team choreographer at that point, right? You yeah, just you're like, I moved. can't take this thing with me. I gotta right. show it. You I know? gotta show this thing. I've worked so hard on this. I gotta show this like off. Like, fab so. dollars, man. I can't take them with me. <laughs> exactly. Every Everybody has a role to play on the roster, and that, uh, you know, that looks like that's part of Quez Watkins' role there in, in Philadelphia. Uh, over to Detroit, where you know DeAndre Swift came out of the gates on fire, and you know he's been he's been banged up the last couple of weeks. You know, two weeks ago, he was just coming back, so he had a, a lesser role. Not really a surprise. Last week, Dan Campbell went on to say that you know hey, we want to get Swift the ball, we want him to have a bigger role this week, and he still didn't really see much of the football. So now here we are, this third week back. I'm. I'm sort of going into this with a lot of hesitation. I've got Jamal Williams on some rosters and I'm, you know, probably firing him up some spots, but I don't know what to make of that situation because I don't have a clear picture of what to do with DeAndre Swift. The explosion is there. The talent is there. We hope the opportunity is there, but there's so much about this, Dwayne, that's just cloudy that I don't, I don't, you know, completely know what to do or how to handle it. Yeah, and we've got a pretty long trend going now. Um, you know, the thing for me last week was we had Swift removed. We just got through talking about how these teams handle their injury reports. He was removed from the injury report, and he had a full practice on Friday. So now two weeks before that, you had DeAndre Swift telling the media he didn't know if he would be right all season, right? And then you had the coaching staff still talking about an injury you know, that could linger all year and all of a sudden he's off the injury report. So just because players are off the injury report doesn't mean that they're not playing hurt, right? Depends on who the team is. But that data point really did bother me because that was our, I felt like our hope that, okay, great. If you practice in full, maybe that's what the coaches have been waiting is that you've got to show us you can practice in full and then we'll play you more. Cause he was mad about not getting enough touches the week before. So you had the squeaky wheel narrative. You had the full practice, you know, on Friday narrative. And it just didn't pan out. You know, it was still basically, it was the same utilization that we've seen. Didn't even get to 25% of the rushing attempts. Still did not have the passing down work. Um, was just sprinkled in. Gets used a little bit more inside the five. So there's some leverage there on the passing snaps that he's seeing. That gives him a better shot to score a touchdown. In fact, he did that two weeks ago and kind of saved his fantasy box score, despite the low utilization. Um, but, like, the challenge is, like, you know, you are always worried. Is this going to be the week where they just finally, they actually really do let DeAndre Swift be DeAndre Swift, and you're going to be staring at 30 sitting on your bench? So <laughs> right. the way I'm treating him, I'm calling him a high-end RB3 
with, you know, RB1 upside in any given week that they decide, but I can't tell you when it's going to be. And I think at this point, you've just got to assume that it's going to be more like what it has been. But no, there's a chance, right? There's a chance that, that the ceiling is really high. And he's given you just enough that you can still start him like in a flex spot, right? Because he's still giving you 8 to 12. And if you know the upside is 30, like that's still going to be better than a lot of other options you may be staring at. Like as, you know, if you're starting three wide receivers, two running backs, and you need a flex, you know, or if you're just a loaded team and he's your RB2, like, and you're thinking of it, but you're setting expectations properly. As far as Jamal Williams goes, I think you just have to look at him as a low end to mid range RB2 every week. Because even when we had Swift, in the first game of the season, really get all that work. We still got the touchdowns from Jamal. He's getting the carries inside the five. The challenge for him is with Hawkinson gone, with Chark, who could come back this week. He They've opened his IR window. Maybe we get Jamison Williams in the next couple of weeks, but the offense has just really been depleted down to Amon Ross St. Brown. And while Amon Ra, you know, he is the sun god. Like, we love him. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard to be a complete offense that can score a lot of points. And then that hurts Jamal Williams because his role is really, like, his value comes from inside the five. So if you can't get down inside the five on enough of your drives, his chance, he's, not, he's not the guy that's going to break off a 50-yard touchdown run, right? Mm-hmm. He's got to get in close and let that power be, you know, the deciding factor. So I still, I still put him at that low-end RB2. I used to have him as more of a, a mid-range RB2 because the offense was better. So I think for the most part, though, and Jam- with Jamal Williams, you know, you're starting him, you know, as, a, as, as an RB2 or most likely a flex. If you've got two really good RBs, yeah, he can stay on the bench. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, and I think you know, part of the reason I kind of kept going to him was, as you mentioned, that that touchdown upside because they were using him. They have been using him so consistently near the goal line. Um, it hasn't been good in Denver pretty much all year offensively. And now they're down a couple of receivers. Jerry Judy left the game, I think, after one play last week uh, with an ankle injury. KJ yep. Hamler's got a hamstring injury that the Broncos are saying is going to keep him out for multiple weeks. So that pretty much leaves us with Cortland Sutton at the wide receiver spot. The matchup is really good this week. They've got the Raiders, so there's reason for hope if you're starting a Denver player. Um, but in, is there anybody else there? I mean, look, they lost Tim Patrick for the, the year before the season even started. I mean, is there really anybody else there uh, that we can lean on in Denver right now? Yeah, I think it's really just Sutton and Dulcich. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's what it's going to condense to. And we never want injuries for fantasy players you know for players period but like from a fantasy standpoint like this is kind of what you need you you need an offense like this that's not really that honestly this is almost every offense in the league this year because we're just not getting the 350 400 yard passing days anymore you know like 275 is really good and you can see what that's doing that's got geno smith as like a top eight quarterback i mean geno is basically 250 to 275 every week those two touchdown passes three years ago like that wouldn't do it, you know, now not, that's nothing against Gino. Gino probably three years ago is throwing for three twenty-five and three, right? right? But defenses have now changed. Um, and so looking at it that way, the, what I'm seeing is a lot of these teams, when you just really have two weapons that you're having to deal with, it's just a lot easier to get fantasy production out of it. So I think with it being Sutton and Dulcich, you've got KJ Hamler out for sure. They're calling Jerry Judy day to day. Um, and we've talked about this in the past. Anytime a player just immediately leaves a game with an injury and there's, and it's pretty much like um, you get the report on the sideline within like five minutes, not returning. Right. That's what it was last week <laughs> on a cart, not returning, you know, um, that's, I'm usually leery 
of, of the day-to-day -day speak. A lot of times when I hear day-to-day, -day, I think this coach just wants to keep the other team preparing for Jerry Judy. Mm. Now, we could see. We'll see what happens on Friday. But right now, I'm leaning towards Jerry Judy will not play. Last week, if you took that same approach, though, we would have thought that with Aaron Jones. And he ended up playing. And he right. actually looked good. So there are exceptions to the rule. But right now, I've got Jerry Judy out of my ranks, Marcus. And so I've got Cortland Sutton. You mentioned the Raiders. Really good matchup. They are the last place team um, in EPA as far as passing yards, you know, given expect, expected points added, right, mm. you know, above what the, the normal NFL range is. They're a really bad secondary. Cortland Sutton is not someone, like, I don't think we look at him as, like, an alpha receiver, but he's definitely a good receiver, and he's flashed in the past. Like, when you've given him moments to stand alone and not have a lot of target competition around him, he has shown an ability to step up. And, in fact, this last week you saw a 28% target share. So I've got Cortland Sutton, again, We've got a lot of bye weeks here, but I've got him inside my top 12 wide receivers. And we have not had him there in a long time. Like he's been basically unstartable for like mm -hmm. three games. So I think he's a good one to call out because a lot of people are going to be afraid to click on Cortland Sutton in their lineup. And as long as Judy's out, I think you can really, and whether or not you agree with having him as high as I do, and you'll, I think a lot of people will see like when you hear the names that are out, but he's still startable no matter what, even if you want to call him a wide receiver too, like he still profiles like on a normal week. That's what he would be is like a low end wide receiver too. on this yep. week. He's a high end wide receiver too. Yeah. And you know, I, I started the season when we were having, you know, the general uh, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy debate, which guy is going to be better. I was team Sutton and early on, it sort of looked like that the last few weeks though, everything had sort of shifted and it had been more of a Jerry Judy centered passing game. But now I guess it, it, you know, by default kind of shifts back to Cortland Sutton this week. So uh, I get it if people are concerned and, and have some worries. Uh, but I do think at least for the short term, that seems to be the case. You talk about how quickly Jerry Judy was, was ruled out. I, you know, my, for my other side hustle, um, we do a Sunday morning show and we end right at kickoff. And I'm usually in my car about 10 minutes after that is done. And I think I got to the car. I sat down. I scrolled Twitter real quick before I started driving. And I saw already that Jerry Judy had been ruled out. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, fast. the game's just started. Like, how did this happen? Uh, so, yeah, that was that was pretty bad. It's, let's talk though, about these buys because the teams that are off this week, the Jaguars, the Dolphins, the Seahawks, the Bucks. So that means uh, no Christian Kirk. That means no Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle. That means no Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. That means no DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. I mean, you're talking about seven guys here that are all you know, hovering around either in or just right outside of the, the top 24. Uh, you know, I know we talked waiver wire earlier in the week. This does feel like a week, though, where you really had to be active on the waiver wire because chances are it, it's hard to imagine that uh, you know, if you play in multiple leagues, you weren't impacted or you're not going to be impacted by what happened this week. Uh, I guess the good news, though, Dwayne, I guess if there's a position where, where we can be shorthanded, it's wide receiver because I guess it's is it still the deepest position in fantasy football right now? Yeah, it's still the deepest. It, it you know it just depends on how big your league is, right? Whether mm. you can find something that's streamable. But there are a lot of options that are out there. We'll talk about one specifically later that's still sitting out there way too much. Good job, everybody. Christian Watson. <laughs> I, I I checked this morning. Uh, roster ship up to sixty nine percent. That should be one hundred. Um, I would have Christian Watson on my team in an eight team league. Like he just mm. should be on every roster. But there are some other names that I'll just throw out real quickly here, Marcus, like Nico Collins. He mm -hmm. was back last week, had a 26% year, might've been 28% target share. Either way, a really good day. And he's just, he's not great, 
but you know, he's going to be like a 20% guy in any given week. He, he could be the one over, over Brandon cooks, uh, Donovan people's Jones, you know, we'll have to keep an eye on, you know, the weather and think through that, but he's a guy that's also been getting some decent target shares here the last few weeks. Um, Alec Pierce available a lot for the Colts. We just saw, you know, what happened with Matt Ryan back. It just really helped stabilize things. Well, Alec Pierce is a guy that we were kind of excited about, you know, like six weeks ago mm -hmm. that was starting to come on. So at any moment, like he could give you a little bit of something. So there are some names that are out there on the waiver wire this week. So if you're dealing with that, and even if you missed your waiver wire run or you didn't get Christian Watson, like you wanted, there's probably still a few names that you can, you know, you're not going to feel great. They're not, they're not going to be, they're not going to feel like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, like, but they might be able to get you through the week so you can stay on track to to get into the fantasy playoffs. Right. And I think that's it for this week. I mean, you're just trying to get through the week, survive this week, and then you can go back to probably whatever it was you were doing before this week. It's a good way to get us to the rankings. And since we're talking about Christian Watson, we might as well start by talking about his quarterback because last week was a big game for Aaron Rodgers, maybe uh, the, the best game he's played all season long. Now, good matchup against the Tennessee Titans. But looking long term, I mean, is this is this the start of something good with Aaron Rodgers? Has Have they finally kind of gotten on the same page with this passing game? And now we can, look, I don't think he's going to be the Aaron Rodgers that was winning MVPs in back-to-back -back years, but, but is he going to be back to being a startable, usable fantasy quarterback? Yeah, I, look, it, it, part of it is, again, like when you look at like all the players around Aaron Rodgers. Um, and when I work through my rankings, like I have a process that I start with, which is looking, you know, at what the player has been doing. Then you're looking at what does Vegas say about the game. Then you're looking at the matchup. And the matchup is, is, is the least valuable piece, you know, to me. The most important thing is how's the player doing and then what does, you know, what are the expectations around the game? Because a lot of the matchups and all that other stuff is all baked into the number that Vegas gives, right? <laughs> you know, so it's kind of a cheat code in a way. But with Aaron Rodgers, like, I start looking at the list and, I mean, a lot of people have Daniel Jones above him. I'm not doing that. I'm not putting Daniel Jones above Aaron Rodgers <laughs> because Aaron Rodgers has... 350 yard three four touchdown upside daniel jones is a nice player if you need to use him on a bye week i think he's a streamer like i would call mm -hmm. daniel jones a bye week streamer but i know what the ceiling is for aaron Rodgers, and we talked about this a little bit in the last pod but he has that ability to extend plays not just manipulate the pocket but extend plays you'll see a lot of these really good quarterbacks that are surviving right now and doing well they don't have an average time to throw of 2.5 seconds they're not mm -hmm. your traditional hey drop back make my read get the ball out and you can do that, like Tua's doing it, because he has Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. Tua's playing really well, and also a great scheme. But not every quarterback has the luxury of throwing to those kind of players. But the big thing for Rodgers is now he gets an upgrade in what we saw with Watson. And I went back and watched all of Watson's plays. He was actually open on more. I mean, the guy, I don't think this is a fluke. I'm not a professional, uh, you know, scout. But, I mean, I watch a lot of football. Like, I try to train myself as much as I can. I look at the data first, and then I work my way into the film film because I can't watch every player every week, right? So the data is kind of like a funnel for me. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Look at this guy. Let's go watch him, right? That's kind of the way I treat it. And Watson, has he's a differentiator, man. Like, what we saw, they were not fluky blown coverages. The One of those was in two. Two were in double coverage, basically. In two of those plays, two people were supposed to have Christian Watson. And they could not keep up, you know, the play in the end zone where he crossed the face of everybody and Aaron Rodgers can buy the time. Right. And he's like, this is you guys aren't you really you're going to go man coverage here. You're not going <laughs> to hang. You ain't hanging. And he was and he, he crossed the face and Rodgers threw it right away. And it was there. You know, the other one was a deep one down the field. It was start off a single coverage, but then the safety gets involved right in the deeper plays. 
You saw Watson's tracking abilities there. So, I mean, I just see a guy that can give you run after the catch, a guy that can give you at any moment, you know, that play down the field. And we know that Rodgers can buy the time and drop the dime, you know. So it's, I I just, I have him as QB 11. So I'm two spots higher than consensus. Um, I have Kyler Murray only one spot ahead of him because he's questionable hmm. and it's a Monday night game. If I had to make a decision, if I had Aaron Rodgers on my roster and I had Kyler Murray and I was having to wait till Monday night or I got to use Colt McCoy or something like that, I would just I'd probably end up just moving Aaron Rodgers ahead of that. But yeah. even like the next name, like Kirk Cousins, I like him, but he hasn't really been good either. I mean, he's averaging 21 fantasy points per game over the last four. That, that's solid. I mean, sorry, 19.5. That's solid. You know, so I'm gonna probably keep Kirk above him because it's a great game against Dallas. But the games, the the players below him, I have no problem. Like, I mean, I'm starting him over Marcus Mariota, Russell Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo, Daniel Jones, Jared Goff, Derek Carr. Like, I I don't really think those are conversations. But I mean, I'm interested in your thoughts on it. Well, yeah, I, it's funny you talk about Kirk Cousins first of all, and I feel like Kirk Cousins this year has been who people sort of reputationally believe he is, and that like he's fine. Um, you know, when when the matchup has been good, he's been fine. When it hasn't been good, he's been less than fine. Like he's been mid, and I see him. I'm looking at it right now. He's what the QB thirteen, so he's just literally on the fringe of being a QB one, which is I think how people in their minds envision Kirk Cousins, and and he has been that. And I think, I think with Aaron Rodgers, the, the belief has been all year long that he's going to figure out that that you can't be that good a player and have been that good for that long and not at some point figure it out. And maybe it did just take, you know, a couple of months to get in tune with these wide receivers. Um, you know, maybe maybe Christian Watson is finally coming into his own now uh, in his rookie season, and we can sort of erase the memory of that bad drop he had on a deep ball in week one. So maybe this is, maybe we want to believe that this is something good, and if you persisted and you hung on to Aaron Rodgers, that you're going to be rewarded. So I maybe it's just me being optimistic uh, about a player that I've enjoyed watching for the last few years uh and maybe maybe things are getting better for Aaron Rodgers he's just more along the archetype of a Patrick Mahomes right that guy that can buy enough time and 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 you know really make players around him better I I, it's been a struggle so far but I just it's just a ceiling thing in my mind you know we could be completely wrong on it um and if Watson busts out this week or gets hurt again I think it's it's going to be really tough for Rodgers. He needs he needs a player like that. He's one that can yeah. just yeah, it just changes the dynamic of their offense. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of the dynamic of an offense changing, uh, Justin Herbert might be finally getting some help back. It, mm-hmm. it felt like the world was on his shoulders. It was it was him and Austin Eckler against everybody the last few weeks. But Mike Williams could be back. Uh, Keenan Allen could be back just in time for a big game against the Kansas City Chiefs. I know a lot of folks are frustrated with Justin Herbert because chances are you drafted him as the number two or number three at worst quarterback off the board. And uh, right now he's not even in the top 12. So this feels like for a guy who I think has been playing well, all things considered, it's very encouraging, I think, now that he's going to get some help back this week. Yeah, I I think with Herbert, that's really just been the thing. You know, um, when you lose all of your playmakers, and, you know, he's also been dealing with an injury. You know, he played through it, and so we forget a lot of times. When these players get a a rib injury like he did early in the season, we just forget about it. But a lot of times you'll hear, you know, interviews after the season. You know, you'll see interviews and things like that on YouTube or whatever, and they'll talk about how they played with it all year. And it was a pain management thing the whole year. I mean, you're getting hit. You got defenders landing on you that weigh 260, 300 pounds. I mean, it's probably re-aggravated every week. 
and we don't even hear them talk about it. You know, so I think there's a lot of layers to what's going on with Justin Herbert, but I think of uh, getting Mike Williams, getting Keenan Allen back would go a long way to solving it, right? Even if he's still playing hurt. I've got him as QB8 this week. You know, I, I moved him down a couple of weeks ago, so I've been a little lower than consensus for a couple of weeks, but now I'm starting to, I want to get back ahead of consensus. So if if we hear that Mike Williams and Keenan Allen look really good Friday, I'm going to move Justin Herbert probably into my top five. I'm, I would consider moving him above Lamar Jackson, but I probably won't. I'll probably put him one spot behind Lamar. I would have him, uh, that would move him above Dak and above Joe Burrow, right? So, and I really like Burrow, but he's missing Jamar Chase, right? He's dealing with a little bit of a similar thing, but he at least still has T. Higgins. So if he just gets one of the two back, then I probably just move him one spot up above Dak and have him right there next to Joe Burrow. All right, so uh, we can get Herbert back. I know a lot of folks would be very excited to, to know that because I, I get tweets every now and then, what do I do about Justin Herbert? And I've been like, hey, Lenny, just stay the course. He's not playing badly. He just he just is lacking help, and that's all. So now that help's coming back. So uh, hopefully he's back to being the guy that you drafted early in your draft. Uh, let's look at some running backs because Khalil Herbert is on injured reserve right now, so he's going to be gone for at least several weeks. I, I saw a tweet this morning that uh, David Montgomery could be, and I'm, I'm sort of paraphrasing, he could be the most mid-running back to continually be a league winner. Because a couple of years ago, he got hot late in the season, was a league winner. Last year, he sort of got hot mid to late in the season and sort of helped become a league winner. Now, no Khalil Herbert, and a lot falls on David Montgomery. Now, look, understanding Justin Fields is, is running the football effectively, and he's going to continue to do that. But, you know... I, I am a David Montgomery fan. I know people don't love him the way I love him, but he just seems to kind of hang around, and he's a good running back. He's not special. He's not spectacular, but Dwayne, I think he's a good running back, and now he's a good running back who's going to get more opportunity because he doesn't really have any competition there. Yeah, and part of the thing for Herbert, I mean, for Montgomery, is he's played next to Herbert, who has played you know exceptionally well this mm -hmm. year. But to your point, Montgomery has not been, he's not been bad. He's not been great. He's been mid. But that's okay. He's an NFL running back. He has starting cal he's a starting caliber player. The biggest thing for Montgomery is just stop running east and west. Like he's always <laughs> he's done this his whole career. And in college he got away with it, you know, making a guy miss, making the next guy miss, making the next guy miss, and then it's like, "Oh god, everybody fell down. I'll run off." Like that doesn't happen in the NFL. It's like make the first guy miss and then like go. Like you're not Saquon Barkley. Um, and even Barkley had to figure that out, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, a more decisive David Montgomery would be a very welcome sight, you know, to my eyes. Um, because with Justin Fields, there's just a huge opportunity. Defenses have to key on him. And if you're a defensive coordinator, Marcus, and you're getting ready for this game, and you're like, okay, yeah, you're getting ready for the, the read option stuff. I'm telling my, you tell me what you're doing. I'm telling my defenders, take Justin Fields, yep. no matter what. Make Justin Fields hand the ball to David Montgomery. Like, so, you know, because it's just design, it's a design. Like when the quarterback shows that and they put it in the running back's belly, they're just reading. You guys have seen it on TV a thousand times. You know, there's an inside, there's an inside version of this. And then there's an outside version of it. And essentially they're, re they're reading that defensive end and that dictates where the ball goes. And so if that defensive end has been told, no matter what you take the angle that makes Justin Herbert want to hand the ball off. You know, I mean, I mean, make, sorry, Justin Fields <laughs> off Justin Herbert, man. Yeah. That's, that's what Justin Fields is like. He's a combination of an awesome quarterback and a good running back, but I think that's going to be the way it's going to get coached up. And we've seen that with guys like Gus Edwards. We like Gus Edwards, but David Montgomery is as good or if not better than Gus Edwards. Mm -hmm. Right. 
And if he'll just put his foot in the ground and go, it creates these huge lanes because the defense is telling you, hand it to that player, even though they know that can be four or six yard gain. They're like, we'll take that over Justin Fields going for 70. So I think that's going to be a good thing for Montgomery. We also, we've talked about the Bears, like running the ball is their identity. So there's plenty of, of, of rushing attempts to already go around, but Herbert's going to leave 11.3 rushing attempts per game on the table. That's what he averaged in the games where we had David Montgomery available, you know, for 100% of plays on the course of the season. We had two games, one game David Montgomery missed, one game where he got knocked out early. So I excluded those two because they kind of inflate Herbert's numbers, but 11.3 carries. So I'm thinking... Probably four to five of those go to Montgomery. The other four to five probably go to Tristan Ebner. Um, you know, I think the, I don't see Fields really increase. He, Fields already has a big workload. You know, he's averaging 11 carries himself over the over the last four games. So he'll probably stick around where he's at. But I mean, dude, David Montgomery's probably going to be seeing 20 to 25 touches a week mm-hmm. over the next four games. That's all you need to know. Like, forget yep. all the things you hear about. He's slow. Forget all the things you hear about. Oh, my God, he's so mid. Forget all the things about, oh, my God, how are the Bears starting? It doesn't matter now. It doesn't matter. Like, he, he's going to be a guy that's really tough to keep outside the top 12. And this week, like, dude, there's a 50-point total on this game against the Falcons. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem right to me. Two teams right. run the ball so much that, honestly, they're, the Bears' offense has exploded lately. But, like, these are not two elite offenses. Mm-hmm. As, as you're talking about, David Montgomery I just the name that popped into my head for some reason is Jordan Howard right like a guy who you know another had a couple good seasons yeah for another former bear a couple guys who had a, a guy who had a couple good seasons was never you know a burner at any point was sort of mid for a long time and then just kind of bounced around hung around I think he's actually still still technically unretired or active um yeah but he was uh, just actually the Saints and this <laughs> I, I thought yeah I just realized that um I feel like that's that is the the career path potentially for David Montgomery, a guy who's you know good, not great, uh, you know is good enough in an offense that he can hang around the league for a while, but nobody's ever going to be excited when they see you know David Montgomery pop up anywhere. Um, I want to get to to Brian Robinson because uh, you know we've kind of gone around and around on this Commanders backfield because uh, you know Robinson we were excited about him. Obviously the story itself was great. You know having been shot in the preseason, being able to work his way back and get on the field. So just from an emotional standpoint, it's been great. On the field, it's been you know kind of meh. He hasn't really played all that well. We're starting to see Antonio Gibson get a lot of work. Uh, I know you like him this week. Is is this just matchup based because the Texans are awful against the run, or is there more to it? Yeah, I mean, he's he's been meh. I mean, 3.3 yards per attempt. But the thing is, like, they're sticking with him. Ron mm-hmm. Rivera is not going away from him. Um, I still love Antonio Gibson. I haven't changed any of my thoughts on him. In fact, I have Gibson still ranked ahead of Robinson. Gibson, again, last weekend, got all the passing down work. Like, his his profile looks like what we thought we were going to get with DeAndre Swift, like, as far as his utilization. And when you watch Gibson, I know it was about Robinson, but when you watch him, like, even in the game Monday night, there were two or three times, once on a kickoff, once on a reception, and once on a run that I saw that I'm like, man, that's a really sweet movie just made to make the first defender miss that a lot of guys in the league can't make. Like when you watch Antonio Gibson, it's still maddening. And I feel bad for a guy like Brian Robinson because that's kind of what happens. People are like, oh my God, how is Antonio Gibson not on the field more? And, and I get it. I know where people are coming from and Gibson looks really good. But most teams are really a you know, they want to divide this stuff up. That's just where we are these days. And so with Robinson, the role that he has works really well whenever they can keep the game close because he's typically going to have right around 50% of the rushing attempts. So all you're you're really wondering is, okay, is this a game where the commanders will actually be able to run the ball enough for that 50% to count? 
and they're playing the Texans. So you know you're going to get the efficiency bump because they give up, you know, they give up plus, you know, overexpected to every single team that they face. And so this is the one chance where maybe you do see Brian Robinson at a four, four and a half yards per carry. And you saw what can happen. Like they surprised the Eagles on Monday Night Football. They kept that game close. How many carries do you think Brian Robinson had in that game? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> 26. Wow. I was even surprised. I thought it would be wow. like 18, 20. He had 26 carries wow. for 86 yards and a touchdown. So I think this is the right kind of game script, mainly. Mm. I don't see the Texans blowing out the commanders, right? right? I see this as being close or the commanders leading the game. And that alone would the role we know Robinson has. Mm. I move him into that low end RB two conversation for this week. Um, you know, so, I mean, I'm quite a bit ahead of consensus. I'm plus five versus wow. what's up over at fantasy pros right now. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that if you have Brian Robinson, like this is the week to start him. Like you don't get to start him every week. He's not, right. he's not a guy that you just plug in every week. You really do kind of have to read the tea leaves on him. And I think this is a good week. All right, so Brian Robinson is back in our lives, at least for this week. Uh, we just, keep picking, <laughs> just keep picking on the Texans, man. I mean, like, look, there, there are some things where it's like at some point we just have to, we don't have to think about it so much. And picking on the Texans is, is kind of one of those things. Maybe not so much, though, with the passing game, because they've been awful against the run. They've been, you know, decent against opposing passing games. But Terry McLaurin uh, playing well. I know that, you know, all of us in the fantasy community are voting that Taylor Heineke keeps that job just because look, we're not starting either Washington quarterback. So why not play? Why not play the guy that's going to give our wide receivers the best opportunity? That looks like ta uh, Taylor Heineke, uh, you know, fresh off crushing bush lights on an airplane <laughs> back home. Uh, so but, but as long as Heineke, as long as Heineke's there, we're good with with Terry McLaurin, right? We can still start scary Terry every single week. Yeah, and I think no matter what, we're starting Scary Terry, you know, even if we get Wentz back. But, uh, like, the the chemistry that has been there between Heineke and McLaurin is very clear. Here are the target shares over the last four games um, with Heineke for McLaurin. 26%, 28%, 32%, 44%. Now, folks, that doesn't mean we think it's going to – that wasn't necessarily to give you a trend. Oh, my God, 60% this week. It's just, like, he's an alpha right now. Like he's probably going to get around, you know, I would say, you know, 28, he's probably going to get 30-ish percent, right, of the targets each week. Um, so Heineke definitely has shown that he's a McLaurin guy. But again, we also talked about these things in the past, like defensive coordinators just start, you know, they're typically watching the last three to four games, and that's what they're preparing on based on the latest trends. And so early on, it was really more Curtis Samuel. And so now teams maybe are trying to do more to stop Curtis Samuel. And then that opens things up for Terry McLaurin. So there are a lot of different things going on. But anytime you have a player like this, that's just on an absolute heater and he's just feeling it. It's hard to get away from them. So I've got him in the top 12 this week. Again, part of that is due to all the buys that we have. He would be more of like a mid-range wide receiver, too, if we didn't have all the buys. But considering where we had Terry as recently as, you know, five weeks ago, which was, man, can we keep him in the wide receiver three conversation anymore? Like we knew it was always possible because of the talent. And that's why you never give up on talent is because things can turn around very quickly like this. And McLaurin is one of the better receivers in the league. Like he's a great route runner. He has really good separation skills. He has the speed to beat you over the top. Not a huge contested, you know, ball guy, but better than what most people think. Like he's a feisty receiver and he just loves the game. Like this is a guy that, you know, spends a lot of time trying to be the absolute and, and most receivers do but like 
you get to hear Terry McLaurin talk about it. I love hearing Terry McLaurin talk about route running and talking mm-hmm. about how he sets guys up with his stem and then, you know, what he does, you know, the different things that he has to make his breaks look different way. I mean, he's just, he's a, he's a student of the game and you can tell. And so when you, anytime you have that athletic combination that he has, and then you also have that just tenacity to want to be the very best at what you at your craft. Like, I just love players like that. And he fits that mold. He really is that guy. Um, you know, I know I, I saw a conversation on Twitter. Uh, someone had had asked uh, Matt Harmon, who you know obviously does a lot of work watching wide yeah. receivers, if Terry McLaurin was actually good. And, you know, Matt responded with, like, this is one of those sort of Rorschach test moments where, <laughs> you know, are, are you watching it or are you just looking at the numbers? Because to watch Terry McLaurin is to know that he is one of the top 10 to 12 wide receivers in the NFL. And I think, you know, we just needed the quarterback to kind of help sort of unlock him and get that production up and at least for the moment we seem to have found that if you're a if you're a young you know fantasy player and you play football and like you maybe you're a receiver like and you came to me and you're like hey man give me three names to watch in the nfl like at receiver like terry Mm -hmm. mclaurin would be on the list of the three like i would tell you to go watch like he might be the number one like just as far as like being that true technician and the love of you know just getting everything right like he's just he's elite in that way yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, it's nice to see him actually have the production to go along with it so people can stop questioning, at least for a, for a little bit there. We know how good Debo Samuel is. Uh, this week, on paper, a good matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. You're, you're lower than consensus on Debo. You're also lower on Brandon Ayuk. Is it just a case of there's just too many mouths to feed and maybe a quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo who can't uh, you know, serve up enough to keep everybody happy there? Or is there more to yeah. it? So this is one of those, like, and I like both players, but yeah, there's too many mouths to feed. But when I did my ranks yesterday, I, I, I pondered this one, you know, once I was done and had everything where I wanted it, I pondered it for like 10 minutes because I was like, I don't like it. I do not like having Brandon Ayuk even where I have him. His profile's not changed. He's mm-hmm. been the hot receiver. He's been the hot hand over the last few weeks, but it doesn't change the fact that Debo Samuel's still awesome. It doesn't change the fact that George Kittle is still awesome. It doesn't change the fact that Christian McCaffrey is now another mouth to feed in the passing game. And so I feel like you've got, because of all the buys, there wasn't much I could do. Like I had to keep them ranked here. But one of these two players is going to bust this weekend. Like, you know, for sure, one, mm-hmm. for sure, two of the four are likely to bust out of, the, out of you know, less likely to be McCaffrey because he has more pads to the touches, right? So let's say at least... One of the three options, if not two of the three options in the passing game, are gonna not are not gonna live up to their rank this weekend unless somehow the 49ers get forced into an absolute shootout. And even then, we don't know that Kyle Shanahan's gonna give up on the run because last week, even with the game, you know, trailing 58% of the the plays by four plus points, like he still ran the ball a ton. He stayed mm-hmm. he ran the ball like more than he passed the ball in a game like that. So there's just a lot of there's a lot of challenges here really good players and they are what they are this week. It's hard to move them lower, but it just scares me because I'm like, I I think of these guys all really now as boom bust nature. And I hate ranking anyone inside my top 15. That's this boom bust, but it was unavoidable this week just because of all the guys we talked about on by. Yeah. So many guys on, on by, uh, I do think, look, somebody asked me who I think is going to score more. Will it be Rondale Moore or Debo? And I'm like, I can't, I just can't, See, I can't tough. say Rondale. I can't say Rondale on principle just because I know what Debo can do. Exactly. But but you're right. Just because there's so many places for Jimmy Garoppolo to go with the football, it, you know, it could sort of be Rondale, but not because Debo is bad. Just because other guys 
are getting some shine particularly uh, we talked about the number of guys that are on by especially at the wide receiver position paris campbell has come back to life and we sort of talked we talked about him earlier but uh still available in 69 percent of leagues crazy i mean i feel like is this is just because the sam ellinger hangover right has not has not cleared yet is that what this is that people aren't having jumped back into paris campbell yeah that's all it is. We don't have to spend a lot of time here, folks. If you want to hear all about Paris Campbell, go back and listen to the last episode. There we it do is. the <laughs> utilization stuff, and we break it all down. But in a nutshell, 29 targets in the last three games, 20.8 fantasy points per game with Matt Ryan. So you had Matt Ryan, then you had, to your point, two Sam Ellinger games. It really depressed his value. It's just a talented player that's always been hurt. Ohio was great at Ohio State, played with a lot of other good receivers, but now he's getting his chance, and he's hot. So, I mean, to me, like, he was right behind Christian Watson for me. Watson was very clearly the number one ad. But, like, Paris Campbell, last night I had a ton of waiver wire runs. Everywhere I couldn't get Christian Watson, I made sure that if Paris Campbell was there, like, I honestly put almost the same amount of, you know, mm. fab money on him. And, and I play in really deep leagues. Like, so, I mean, it wasn't a deal where I could just go 25%. Like, I wanted <laughs> to make sure I got one of the two. Um, so, yeah, love Paris Campbell. I'm 15 spots. That's abnormal. Wow. Not not over yeah. overall at wide receiver. Mm -hmm. I'm 15 spots ahead of consensus. He's 38 on fantasy pros right now. I have him 23rd. Wow. All right, there it is. That's your Paris Campbell endorsement for the day. Go get him if he's still floating around out there, which chances are chances are good that he's still hanging around there. So maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe go go take on a On this look week at him. especially, man, like I, you can yes. plug him in. You can plug him in. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk a couple tight ends before we we get out of here. Dalton Schultz uh, you're a couple spots ahead. You've got him tight end three this week. I just, I'm at the point with Dalton Schultz. Between Dalton Schultz and the fact that we're losing tight ends, I'm not so much worried about the matchup with him. I just think he's a good player. And now that Dak is back and getting comfortable, that offense is starting to come together a little bit. I just like the opportunity for him on a weekly basis. I don't really care who he's playing. I just know that Dak's going to be looking in his direction. And that's the part that sort of makes me feel comfortable with Dalton Schultz. Yeah, that's the big thing. And they're just using a lot of play action now. Um, and so that adds efficiency. But with Schultz, we still haven't even seen the ceiling yet because if you look at the early early in the year, 94% route participation, 83% route participation, then he gets hurt. Then he comes back in week four, has, tries to gut it out as a 76%. Then he's at 32%, misses a game, 55%, working his way up to 64%, working his way up last week to 72% route participation. And in those times, targets per route run over the last three, 31%, 33%, and 24%. So this really offense is really humming around C.D. Lamb and Schultz. Gallup is really kind of the odd man out right now, like just has not quite found his mojo yet. Noah Brown is an ancillary player, and they're not including Tony Pollard for whatever reason in the passing attack. Like, I, I don't get that, but it is what it is. And that really is making this a two-man game. It's about Schultz, and it's about C.D. Lamb. And once we see an 85% route participation out of Dalton Schultz, if he keeps up, you know, over the course of the season, he's got a 21% targets per route run overall. I mean, that's a top five tight end historically. Like he's just going to be a top five tight end. Um, so I feel really good about him. Um, tried to, he's another guy that I've been trying to stay ahead of on the last couple of weeks um, just because I've kind of seen this trend coming up. And I feel like, you know, week 10, he got the bye week in week nine was probably, this is the healthiest he's been. And so he's going to be another week healthier. I don't know, Marcus, like because of the injuries and the other things that are going on, like I think Dalton Schultz, he's probably a top three, top four at worst mm -hmm. tight end the rest of the way. Not, not no. just for this week. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Just because, you know, that sort of got me to the next point, right? Like, unless you have Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews, or I guess now Dalton Schultz, you are probably streaming for the rest of the year, at least for the next month until maybe Goddard comes back. But, uh, you know, if we're looking if you know, I, I know we, we talked previously about a guy like Juwan Johnson. Uh, you know, I don't know yeah. what, what Kate Otten's value is going to be if Cameron Brait is coming back for, for Tampa Bay after their buy. Uh, but but anybody else out there on the streaming radar if you're you're hunting it tied in? Yeah, I think it's Foster Moreau because we know Waller's on IR. So you can get a few weeks out of him. He's not going to be great. Like he's like more of like a, you know, his target rate or targets per route run is more like a 13 to 16% kind of guy. But with the Raiders, you know, you don't have Hunter Renfro right now. You know, that we already talked about Waller obviously being out. That's what opens the door for Moreau. And, you know, Derek Carr, like he definitely needs like that safety blanket underneath. And so like most stuff's going to go to Devonte Adams, but Foster Moreau is doable. And then the other one's Trey McBride. You know, we have Zach Ertz out. Trey McBride was the, you know, top selected tight end in the draft this year. He went in the second round. The next tight end did not go until the third round. Most draft experts or film experts thought that Trey McBride was the number one receiving prospect in the class. So I know some people will argue that he's a little bit green, but what else are we going to do? I would rather have the upside of Trey McBride. And we've talked about this concept in the past. I like picking up. I, I would pick up Trey McBride and start, start him over Foster Moreau. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is Trey McBride is the one of the two, in my opinion, that could force me to reevaluate after the week's over and go, whoa, do I really want to drop this guy? Like, I've got another option I could go back to, but do I really want to drop Trey McBride? Now, he could bust. He could give you nothing. Um, but last week, when we saw uh, Zacherts leave, he had a 76% route participation. So he was almost to the 80%. I would I would anticipate him being at 80% this week. They don't really have other options. They'll probably bring Max Williams up um, from the practice squad. Um, you know, but Steven Alexander, there's just not there's not a lot there. So I think that Trey McBride is gonna be on the field in most passing situations. So I'm excited about him. When I think if you want to be optimistic about it, you can sort of look, you don't have to look that far back, right? Greg Dulcich, another rookie who comes off exactly. of injured reserve and immediately walks into a large role there in, in Denver. So I think that's that's sort of the optimistic take on Trey McBride is that he can have a Greg Dulcich-like outlook uh, in this Arizona offense. Uh, before we go, one of the stories floating around uh, in, in the NFL atmosphere the last couple of days has been what could happen in Buffalo? And I'm not talking about you know, between the two teams, between the Browns and the Bills. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about on the field, physically, that there is snow headed to that part of the country in a major way. I saw at one point the, the report was that the potential for up to six feet of snow. And as a native Californian, like my, my brain can't wrap around that. I just I, I look, I sit here, I'm I'm six foot one, right? And the idea of snow piling up to like pretty much you know the top of my forehead uh it makes my brain itch so i i don't know what that means but uh whenever we have a big potential snow game like this i get the questions i'm sure you get the questions with people saying you know what should i do about this player or that player i've gotten the you know should i should i pivot away from josh allen because of the weather should i pivot away from you know nick chubb should i worried about this player or that when we see games like this and we see big time weather games late in the season what do you have a particular rule of thumb that you go to that you advise people about about how to handle their their lineups in these situations? Yeah, I mean the biggest thing is you know you don't want games with a lot of wind, and so we're too early in the week to really understand what that's going to look like. So while it's good to be prepared, while it's good to think through what would be your backup options if you need, 
Um, because if they say it's going to be snowing that much and it's, it's going to be 25 mile an hour winds, you'd, yeah, you want to get away from this game if you can. Now, getting away from a player like Josh Allen, that's going to be really tough. Mm-hmm. Running game, I worry about a little bit less. Um, and typically, like in situations like, so think back to 2014, somewhere around there. Do you remember the LaShawn McCoy? Game? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a complete, that was a big snow game. Um, you know, so these players can still come through in a big way. So I wouldn't worry as much about Nick Chubb, wouldn't worry as much about, you know, any of the running backs in the game. The passing attack is what we really got to keep an eye on. Um, so, I mean, obviously a player like Jacoby Brissett that would have really been a fringe start anyway, but maybe you, maybe you need him because of a bye week I would look elsewhere and I would just go ahead and do it now. But, uh, making a call on a player like Amari Cooper, we're gonna have to wait. I mean, if it's going to be 15 mile an hour winds and the snow happened all the night before, don't care. You know, like we're starting a market. Oh, great. There's snow everywhere. Not going to impact the game. Snow on the ground. Not, not Wendy. Still not as worried about Amari mm-hmm. Cooper. You know, often like these situations can lead to big plays too, because the offensive player knows where they're going. And so they have an advantage. Could they slip on a play? Yes. But think about a defender. It's, you know, it's, it's double, it's, it's twice as hard for them because even on a normal play, they're having to anticipate where is the player I'm covering, where is the running back cutting, right, that I'm trying to tackle, and I'm immediately in a reactionary mode. And so if I'm out of position, if my balance is off, like, I'm already at a disadvantage. Well, now add snow to that. Add a slippery surface to that. And so even though Nick Chubb may not, you know, have his normal, his, may not be able to cut quite like he, what he normally can, the advantage that he has over the defender that's trying to figure the same thing out. Like there's just a, a bigger chance that, you know, somebody just falls down completely. And even though Chubb isn't, you know, doesn't have the same cut he normally has, it's like, Oh, okay. Bye. Gone. <laughs> right. And we saw that, you know, with LaShawn McCoy, um, several years ago, I actually have, I actually have a personal story like this. So in 2008, I was with a buddy in Las Vegas. We were playing in a big national, like season long championship. Um, it's one that's not around anymore. It was called the FFOC, Fantasy Football Open Championship. And the top 15 players got to go to Vegas. First place was a million bucks. This was like before DFS got really big. There weren't people winning millions and millions of dollars playing DFS. So this is like kind of a, a it was, I think it was the first million dollar prize, if I can remember correctly, in fantasy football to ever be given away. And we had made it into the top 15. And we get out there. We're hanging out with everybody. Jerry Rice is there. We get to wow. hang out with Jerry Rice, uh, you know, meet all these other, you know, players that have, have made it this far and having just having a good time. You know, we're hanging out, you know, playing cards and stuff. Wake up Sunday morning. You know, we knew there was potentially some weather, but we have this exact kind of situation. And we've got uh, Kurt Warner and we've got Larry Fitzgerald on our team. And this was a this was also a super flex league. So it was ahead of its time, like a million dollar prize pool, super flex. And we had Donovan McNabb, but then we also had Sean Hill, who at the time, if a lot of people probably remember Sean Hill, um, you know, he was playing for the Detroit Lions at the time. It was mm-hmm. he played for the 49ers briefly, but I want to say at this time he was playing for the the yeah, for the the Lions. Mm-hmm. And so we pivoted off of Kurt Warner and we pivoted off of Larry Fitzgerald. And we were just like, <laughs> man, the snow's too much. We didn't have the research that we have now. Like I, cause believe me, I got up and I researched it. We had already been looking at it all. We didn't have the kind of information we have now. And if you remember, it was the Matt Castle year for uh, the Patriots. And in that game, um, another guy that a lot of people know, his name's Chad Schroeder. He's the best season long player in the world. Like this is how I met Chad Schroeder. We met 
and he should have won the million dollars. That's a story for another time. He took the worst beat I've ever seen in my life. And so mm-hmm. I, we hung out and we drank and we played cards at like a little super dive bar in Vegas. And like, we became friends that way. But in this game, like it cost me 30 K benching oh. the players that I bench and they didn't oh. even go off. But mm-hmm. they still played good enough. Larry Fitzgerald had like an 80-yard touchdown because of the exact thing we're talking about. And I remember watching <laughs> it because they put us all in this big room and they're filming the whole thing. So every play, like that's what they want to do is catch the, you know, catch the emotions on your face. Mm-hmm. But like every play moving you up four spots in a rank, you know, down. If so, if you play DFS, you know what that looks like. But at the time, nobody had ever seen that. So watching watching everybody sweat this out, and we're like sitting there. And at the time, we had a good chance to still win the million. So it was it was crazy. And so it's just I just share that story because, and then I share the Lashawn McCoy examples because you just don't want to get too cute, right? You don't right. want to overthink it. The wind is the primary thing that you want to make sure is not a factor. Otherwise, you're going to fade a lot of that. But Randy Moss had three touchdowns that game, you know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's it's easy for these players to still go off in a huge way. There you go. So get up, check the weather, see how, how the wind is going to be, and then uh, try to make your decision based on that. So that's the lesson. So don't freak out just because there's snow. Freak out if there's wind, but not necessarily because of, <laughs> because of the snow. And uh, in the meantime, enjoy watching that game from the comfort of your cozy, warm couch, hopefully. That, uh, that, that's the best way, I think, to, to view snow games. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. Uh, we think the best way to uh, engage with us, though, is certainly be part of the community. Go to FantasyLife.com, check out the rankings, check out all the different tools. Join the community, be part of the Discord as well. They have uh, plenty. Of, we have plenty of good chats a couple times a week, so be a part of that and uh, get involved in all of that. And also, if you haven't already, I say it all the time, sign up for the newsletter just because it's very cool uh, every morning to see Matthew Berry has sent you an email. So uh, that is plenty, I think, uh, to do for homework for the weekend before we rejoin you again next week. That'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Life Podcast. For Dwayne, I am Marcus. We appreciate you checking in with us all the time. Enjoy week 11, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week.